Uh, Scripture reading today is out of the book of Exodus. We're going to have two uh, passages to read from. They will be Exodus 35 and 36. Start in Exodus 35, starting in verse 4. Then Moses said to the whole community of Israel, This is what the Lord has commanded. Take a sacred offering for the Lord. Let those with generous hearts present the following gifts to the Lord. Gold, silver, and bronze, blue, purple, and scarlet thread, fine linen, and goat hair for cloth, tanned ram skins and fine goat skins uh, of fine goatskin leather, acacia wood, olive oil for the lamp, spices for the anointing oil and the fragrant incense, onyx stones and other gemstones to be set in the ephod of the priest's chess piece. And now we're going to jump to chapter 36, starting in verse 1. The Lord has gifted Bezael, Aholiab, and the other skilled craftsmen with wisdom and ability to perform any task involving the building of the sanctuary. Let them construct and furnish the tabernacle just as the Lord has commanded. So Moses summoned Bezael and Oholiab and all the others who were specially gifted by the Lord and were eager to get to work. Moses gave them the materials donated by the people of Israel as sacred offerings for the completion of the sanctuary. But the people continued to bring additional gifts each morning. Finally, the craftsmen who were working on the sanctuary left their work. They went to Moses and reported, The people have given more than enough materials to complete the job the Lord has commanded us to do. So Moses gave the command, and this message was sent throughout the camp. Men and women, don't prepare any more gifts for the sanctuary. We have enough. So the people stopped bringing their sacred offerings. Their contributions were more than enough to complete the whole project. Let's pray together. Lord, again, we come to you with uh, thankful hearts, with thanksgiving in our hearts and souls. Lord, we ask that you would bless the rest of our service. Uh, Bless Pastor Doug as he comes and shares what you have laid on his heart. Uh, Let it be something that builds us up, Lord, as we, as we hear. Let the, the Holy Spirit work in us uh, and, and bring to our minds what you would have for us today, Lord. Lord, we pray for our, our, our whole church. While we sit and listen, Lord, we ask that you would take away all distraction. Lord, that you would calm hearts and clear minds. Go with us as we travel through your word. And we uh, ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Jimmy, are we able to uh, bring up PowerPoint, or, or is that also incapacitated today? Let's see what we got here. And while Jimmy's doing that, we should give a praise offering to the Lord for talented individuals back there like that, because right now, all of that would be on the floor if I was back there. There it is. So let's give the Lord a praise. Yes, amen. <laughs> yes. Uh, Electronics are not one of my gifts, and, uh, but I do appreciate those who minister back there, both at PowerPoint and at the soundboard, uh, appreciate their ministry in, in making this opportunity, this time, trustworthy, profitable for all of you. How are we doing, buddy? Are we doing, is, it, is it a go or no go? 
I like all of this. This is nice. It's not what I want, but. HDMI, what does that stand for? I have no idea. Not going to work. It's okay, Jimmy. We will be calling in technified individuals to do this. Before we do begin, I want to share with you an event that my wife and my family and uh, two of our daughters, we had an opportunity to go to. And maybe you've already been there. It's the David production down at Sight and Sound and uh, quite elaborate. Uh, for me, the best part was the 26-foot Goliath. Yeah, you, all, you all know that. And how that thing was controlled by, ah, Jimmy, you're the man. Thank you, thank you. And, and, and while I was there, uh, with all of the fanfare, I mean, my analytical mind started to figure out how much money do they make at a show? 2,000 people. I'm rounding it up about $70 a pop. Okay, so okay, they do four days of two shows, then one day of three shows. So in a week, I came up with a rough estimate of about $1.7 million a week. They're not bad. But they have 700 employees and individuals that do things that I can't even begin to understand how a 26-foot Goliath can move without anybody touching it. Amazing, amazing. And as I was sitting there, I asked the Lord, what are you teaching me? Most of the account of David, I'm familiar a little bit from the scriptures, but what are you teaching me here? Two things I came away with. Number one, that too often I do, and I don't know if you do, but too often when I read the scriptures, I view them as nothing more than black dots on a white paper. It becomes more of an academic instead of a desire. And what brought that out is when Nathan went to David and began to confront him. All of a sudden, all of the emotion that David felt that, that we sort of miss out of Psalm 51 as he wrote, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit in me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. We read that glibly. But do we really understand David's hurt? And in that particular play, David said, here, take the crown. I've ruined the crown. I've ruined my family. I've ruined... He said, I don't want to... I can't do this anymore. So I got to at least begin to vision uh, the passage differently. The second thing that came out and. And, and this is more for me, maybe not much for you, but for me was there was this continual phrase that was used that the shepherd lays his life down 
for the sheep. Time and time and time again that came. Obviously, David's a shepherd. We, we understand. He's also a mighty warrior. And I, I came away when I heard that. Probably the last time I heard it is when it really sank in because all I could say to myself was, it's not about me. It's about you. You're the sheep. You're the sheep. So coming away, I, I, I got a vibrant look into this particular study that we are in right now, which, you know, we all know we're celebrating our many blessings. Uh, the choir sang this morning. We, we were trying to introduce that with another song about the goodness. It's called The Evidence of God. And, and that, but God said, no, I don't want that. I just want the choir to sing about the goodness. And that was great. You know, they did a super job. We have a super director. And uh, so we're, we're really pleased with that. Thank the Lord for that. But we're here counting our many blessings. And, and this morning, I, I want to go to this. That's the wrong one, Jimmy. Go down to, I think it's 14. Is that it? 15? It's the Exodus passage. What are we? Ah, there you go. Thank you, my brother. We'll throw an extra dollar in your paycheck next week. <laughs> Exodus chapter 35 and 36. We've only read snippets of those passages. I challenge you this afternoon to go and read the entire 35 and 36 chapter. It's amazing. This morning we want to at least look at this kind of an attempt. That thankfulness from a fullness, if you will, of our gratitude, we can pour out generosity. A hundred and seventy-seven boxes going all over the world. Some of them will be grouped together, I'm sure, in one area. But others are going all over the world. Out there in the foyer right now are wonderfully decorated bags for children of the Lion Mountain School District and focusing in on the elementary school at Treverton. In both of those instances, I can't help, as I was sharing with my prayer partner this morning as he came in, that this church, for the 10 seasons I've been here, this is my 10th Thanksgiving season. This church oozes with generosity. It's amazing to me. And I'm hoping and trusting that as we go through these two passages, that you're not doing it just out of duty, but you're doing it out of thankfulness for what God has done for us. Well, let's, let's, let's get into the passage, okay? We, we need to understand this particular passage in order to come to a further understanding of what is really happening here. It, it, it's more, to me, it's more than just an event. It's become a passion. 
A passion that, unfortunately, as we look at the context, it is a fulfillment of the directive that God gave to the nation of Israel in Exodus chapter 25. Moses is on top of the mountain, and he's not just getting the law. He's getting the building plans of the tabernacle. And when you go through chapter 25 and 26 and 27, everything that, Moses, that God wants Moses to do is being laid out for him. My poetic license is allowing me to even think that maybe, just maybe, God has the model up there for him to look at. Intricately designed, intricately, if you will, commanded by God using materials of this earth in order to bring God glory. Moses is on top of the mountain. Something's happening on the bottom of the mountain. It's interrupted. Turn with me to Exodus 32. Just a a couple of chapters back. Exodus 32, please. (laughs) Some of you may have a, a title there above that chapter. My text that I have has that. And it says just two words. Golden calf. Golden calf. Oh, now all of a sudden, your minds are rushing to the fact that Moses is coming down with all of the law designed and cut out of stone by God. The first ones were cut by God. He's bringing them down. He's got the instructions in his mind. And what does he see? This golden calf. In fact, the Israelites sort of forced Aaron into doing this. And all of a sudden, the instruction of God got interrupted by the desire of sinful man. That works in my life, too. I I trust it doesn't work in your life, but sometimes that works in my life. The pursuit of things can interrupt, can halt, can sustain the very directive of God, which he once gave us. All of us can think back at in our own lives, I hope not as frequently as I can. But we can think back at times in our life when, oh, I wish I didn't do that. I, I wish I wouldn't have said those words. I wish I, 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 wish I wouldn't have pursued after that. I, I, I wish I would just continued to what God wanted me to do. And we take those off ramps. And that's what happened here. The children of Israel, because Moses wasn't there, But yet, all they had to do was look up. The mountain was covered with the presence of God, the thunderings, the lightning. All they had to do was look up. And yet, they desired to look down. 
this molding, if you will, of this golden calf. And then the, the words that Cecil B. DeMille was able to capture in the, in the movie, you know, Moses, when he said, you know, this is our God now. Oh, how tragic. How tragic that is for us. That instantly stopped what God intended to do. It wasn't until the later on time where all of a sudden we find Moses separated from the nation of Israel. Now we find him in a tent away from all the people. It's called the tent of meeting where Moses went to hear from God. And no one else could come. Just Moses. But Moses goes up to the hill again. This time, he cuts the stone. And this time, he chisels the words. And now, the new instruction is followed. We're at chapter 35 now. This previous message was instituted, but now we have a total perspective, a new perspective, new tablets, verse chapter 34, and a total change. Oop, let me go back, I'm sorry. And a total change of perspective. This is when Moses comes down and now his visage is all white, shining to the glory of God. And the people are afraid. So he had to cover himself. So as not to fear. Then once again, you can compare the passages, Exodus chapter 25 and Exodus chapter 35, and you're going to find almost exactly the same words. Where God says to Moses, tell the people, this. Tell the people this. It's amazing. Now we are here. And Moses begins to call to build what God instructed. And he lays out instructions of purpose. When you come to verse 4 of chapter 35, you see an interesting phrase that is repeated time and time again. And the phrase is this. This is what the Lord has commanded. Take up an offering among you for the Lord. Let everyone whose heart is willing. This isn't mandated This particular offering is not mandated. It is generous and it is not mandated and it's not coerced. It is for the purpose that God in his instructions said, if you're not willing, don't. Don't. 
It is not to be something that you feel that you have done. It's supposed to be out of a willing heart. 177 boxes, a plethora of bags out of a willing heart. You won't know the individual that gets your box. You may not know the child that gets your bag. You're not supposed to. It's to be directed toward the wonder and the glory of God, what he has done. And that's what Moses is saying here. Don't. If you're not willing, don't. It sounds a little bit like the Apostle Paul, doesn't it? When he says in 1 Corinthians, the Lord really does love a cheerful giver. (laughs) No anticipation. Not coercing, not trying to get the favor of God. Just doing it because of his goodness. The Israelites began to give freely as they were moved in their hearts. I did some calculations. When you go to Exodus 38, in verses 21 to 31, it gives you the amount that the people brought. I'm just going to highlight three of them, just three the ones that we're more familiar with in our everyday economic society. It says they gave over a ton of gold, 2,100 and some pounds of gold. Now, you know where I'm going with this, don't you? That adds up in today's market from Friday. This is Friday's money. 64 million dollars gold then they gave 4 tons of silver in today's market that's 2 million 753,280 Bronze, one half ton of bronze, 25,600 dollars. That doesn't include the blue, the purple, the scarlet. That doesn't include the Achaia wood. That just includes what people brought to build, and I say this with all due respect, to build a big tent. That's what it was. It was a portable, movable structure that was to be built. But here's the dynamic. It was to be to God. It was his. And so from from Thursday afternoon to Friday, 
I began to envisualize what was happening in the emotions of the people as they brought this stuff. They just kept, and it says they did it every morning. Every morning. They kept bringing and kept bringing and kept bringing. And we're never told in the text, and I trust it didn't happen, none of them were saying, I brought this much. How much did you bring? No. Remember, a willing heart. That's what Moses said. A willing heart. Bring it to our God. So I I began to ask myself, what creates, what causes a generous heart? What, What is it that helps us to become pliable and usable in God's hands for his glory? Well, taking some inventory of what Jesus Christ has done for you. What Jesus Christ has done for you. When you go back into the book of Exodus, in chapter 14, the Israelites were released from Egypt, and they crossed the Red Sea. In chapter 16, God feeds them every day. More on Saturday. I'm sorry, more for the Sabbath. Don't take any more than you need. It's going to rot. Chapter 17, water comes from a rock. Chapter 33, verse 14. God promised a place that he would meet them at in worship. In chapter 35, God now provides that place for worship. When has the last time when I have sat down and just began to write the things the goodness of God to me. Family. Ministry. But then I began to think deeper. This word is one of the greatest blessings of life. Because in it, as Paul wrote, it is profitable for doctrine correction, instruction, and righteousness that the man of God, the woman of God, may be thoroughly equipped. God hasn't left us to ourselves. He communicates with, how about Holy Spirit that had come and dwelt within us? As we saw in John chapter 14. That he teaches us all things and brings all things to our remembrance whatsoever Christ has told us. What about the ability to feel pain? What about the ability to feel cold? We have been blessed by so much of God that he takes care of us and he provides for us.
The other thing is this too. This is a quote I found from somebody that said, generosity is gratitude in action. Generosity is gratitude in action. One individual wrote this when he said, a thankful spirit crowds out selfish pride, checks fear, diffuses anger, and directs one's thoughts outwardly toward others. A thankful spirit. Moses lists the materials that are needed as well as God-gifted individuals to lead in the building. You handled those Hebrew names very well. <laughs> I look forward to the day I get to be, preach in numbers. Two individuals That God gifted. Now think about that. What were they before they came out of Egypt? They made bricks. That's all they did. They made bricks. Now, God infuses the individuals with an ability that maybe they never even thought they had. One is the master of metals. He knows how to work all of the gold and silver and bronze. The other one is a master of tapestry. He knows how to weave. He knows how to bring the beauty of all of those particular things into a reality what was even more amazing when you get over a few more verses in chapter 36, you find out that they teach others how to do it. I, I, I couldn't help but think of 1 Corinthians 12. The giftedness of individuals making up the body of Christ. I, I, I can't play the piano. I had a hard time playing hooky when I was in school. I can't play piano, but I sure do love to hear the individuals who do. I don't know a thing about electronics. Jimmy, thank you. And thank you, Wyatt, for being back there. I don't know how to do that. I go and see all them things sliding up and down. I say, whoa, I don't know nothing to do with this. I can hardly play the radio let alone understand that. I don't know a thing about carpentry. I've hit my fingers enough time with a hammer that I don't want to know. I don't know anything about plumbing. I don't know anything about electricity. And I know what you're all thinking underneath your breath right now, and yeah, you don't know anything about preaching either. <laughs> there are some days. 
But according to what we've just seen in Exodus, and now what Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians, I don't need to know everything. Either do you. God has gifted each and every one of you for a purpose to fulfill in the church to give honor to the head, who is Jesus Christ. And I, and I think this is one of the, the things I was missing from Thursday night to Friday. Is it just skipped over? But here it is. Walk through Bethlehem. Renee, I'm going to put you on the spot. How many people need to be involved to make that a success? Well over 100. And we have all filled, right? All the parts are filled. Have you seen outside? Things are starting to be built for the inclusion of our animals. And thank God for the people who did that. I don't know how to do that. That's amazing. And we all work together for one goal. That by the time they get to the manger, they hear the clear presentation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the goal. And you're all involved in that. Thank you. But one that I, I misspelled a word. Here's a warning. What you don't use, you will lose. An old preacher told me that one time. What you don't use, you will lose. The Israelites had this response to, to the call. They kept bringing stuff, and all of a sudden, stop! Stop! May I ask you a question? What telemarketing has ever told you to stop giving? Stop. Bezael, Holyab said, Moses, stop. We got more than we need. Stop. More than enough was provided to accomplish what God had commanded. More than enough. So where do we go for this? What's a personal application? It's this. As we cultivate thankful hearts for God's goodness, provision, and presence, a generosity will flow naturally from our lives. I read this story. I, I, oh, I'm sorry, I should have put that up there. Forgive me, there it is. I, I, I read this story that happened in a town in Minnesota Brainerd, Minnesota, at a Dairy Queen drive-thru. Maybe you know a little bit about this, but anyway, it was a two-and-a-half-day pay-forward event. And it was all begun because of gratitude. This is what they 
collected for that two and a half day. And it didn't stop. It continued for two and a half days where $10,000 in sales and over 900 people benefited. When they showed up to the window to pay, the individual said, it's covered. So what they did is said, okay, I'll pay for the one behind me. And it kept going like that for two and a half days. And it was all because one person expressed gratitude. One. Remember, generosity is gratitude in action. God has wired us such that when we obey his command to be grateful, we improve our own lives and the lives of everyone around us. You can't help it. It just happens. May our church, may our church community continue to be such a place. I can think of no greater thing to saying thank you to all that God's done for us. Can we stand, please, for the benediction? Oh, Lord God, may your goodness, your mercy, your grace not just rest upon us individually and corporately, but may it also become effective as we minister in our community. Bring about, oh Lord God, please, a freshness, a longing, a desire, oh Lord God, that as we think of your goodness to us, we'll be sure to pass that on to somebody else. And we do this not before ourselves, but to give you glory. And I'll thank you and praise you in the matchless name of Christ our Savior. And all God's people would say, Amen. Amen.